Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I just want to start out by saying that this podcast is pre-recorded, and as of the recording of this particular episode, the polls have not yet closed in any of the states. Now, I know this podcast will drop on Wednesday morning, but it is Tuesday and no election results have come in yet. And I say all of this because I want you to know that as I make my predictions here, I have not seen any results to skew my opinion. Having said that, let me go out on a limb and convey a few predictions of what I think will happen during this election and particularly after the election. Now let, let's have some fun with this and see how, how many that I can get right. <laughs> right? Now, my first prediction is that a red tsunami will hit all across the nation and that the Republican Party will take back control of both the House and the Senate. I know that that you know what you're saying that 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 I'm on a on a pretty firm limb here considering the polling that that we've seen lately in in particular but let me explain after the 2020 general election many republicans were very concerned joe biden had just become president and the democrats had secured control over the house and the senate but it it wasn't just that it was also the makeup of the midterm election. The entire House of Representatives is up for re-election because, well, they only serve two-year terms. But the Senate is something entirely different because senators serve six-year terms. Only a third are up for re-election every two years. And the third that is up this year was mainly comprised of Republicans and and the Democrats that were up for re-election, well, they were kind of in some of the safe districts and things. So to get control, the Senate was going to be a very large hill to overcome. Now let's fast forward to today. <laughs> As we see that there is a good chance that this kind of thing is going to actually happen. Thing that thanks to many. Democrats jumping the the sinking Biden ship and retiring or not running again, combined with how badly the Democrats have made a mess of things, now that you know that they have control of both the executive branch and the legislative branch, heavy hearts have turned to, to great optimism for the prospects of a Republican-controlled House and Senate. Well, how about prediction number two? Well, prediction number one will not cause the end of democracy. That's my prediction number two. (laughs) And you may say that's kind of weird. But here are a few predictions from a few others on this particular subject. Speaking to the scenario of a red wave election and the transfer of power from Democrats to Republicans in the legislature, this is what Democratic leadership is saying. How about Barack Obama? You know, the former president, (laughs) democracy as we know it may not survive in Arizona. That's not an exaggeration. That is a fact. 
<laughs> that came from the lips of Barack Obama. Uh, or how about our current United States president, Joe Biden, when he said, but there is something else at stake, democracy itself. <laughs> or you could even go to, to Representative James Clyburn, uh, one of the leaders in the Democratic, uh, democratically held Congress by what he said. And that was, but losing this democracy could very well be the end of the world. <laughs> Despite these dire predictions by these notable Democrats, I predict that things will only get better. Despite the fact that people, you know, like a like the former president should know that, that we don't live in a democracy. We have a representative republic. Our form of government will survive no matter who wins here, just so you know. Now, my predictions here are not just based on wishful thinking and, and favorable polling. I have also come to these conclusions because of how the liberals are acting. Their doomsday predictions are, well, they're, they're, they're pre prevalent, as, as you can see, and, and they try to scare voters on the eve of the election. Uh, in an article from Norm uh, Ost uh, Ornstein of The Atlantic, he, uh, he wrote an article entitled, How Far Would Republican Majority Go? He says, in 2011, the new House Republican majority, egged on by Eric Cantor and Kevin McCarthy, and led by radical Tea Party rightists, that's a new one, right, rightists, such as Jason Chaffetz, uh, brought the U.S. to the brink of a default. The disaster was headed off by a last-minute compromise between Speaker John Boehner, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and President Barack Obama. A breach of the debt ceiling, meaning the loss of the full faith and, uh, and credit of the United States, would have been catastrophic. But Chaffetz and many of his colleagues were more than willing to make that happen. In the aftermath, Chaffetz said, we weren't kidding around. We would have taken it down, unquote. <laughs> As it was, the brinkmanship and delays had severe effects, he says. The Dow fell 2,000 points in the months that followed and borrowing costs for the federal government increased by an estimated $18.9 billion over 10 years, according to the Bipartisan Policy Center. Okay, let me say this. Just two things, right? The Dow set record levels during the Trump presidency that more than made up for any losses that happened here. I mean, I mean, we're looking at, you know, the Dow fell 2000 points. Okay. And how far is it dropping now under Biden? But yeah, let me say something else too. How, how much are the borrowing costs? And he's so concerned about the borrowing costs here. How much are the borrowing costs for the federal government going up now under Biden and the raising of the interest rates because of inflation? I mean, it, it's going to make this seem like just 
child's play. So anyway, <laughs> his his points not well taken. Uh, Chaffetz, he says, is now long gone from the house, but the, the Tea Party radicals, who a few years later form the Freedom Caucus because the existing right-wing caucus, the Republican Study Committee, was not right-wing enough, have moved from the fringe to the center among House Republicans. <laughs> good, good, I'm glad, because they replaced the establishment rhinos, you know, the Republicans in name-only types. And if Republicans capture a majority in the midterm election, they will make the Tea Party group look like, well, milquetoast moderates. The prospect of default, along with extended government shutdowns and distribution and a hamstrung administration, will loom large. <laughs> see, they're just, they're freaking out because they can see something coming. All right, let's move on to off of that and, and on to prediction number three. A Republican-led House of Representatives will get uh, will get government spending under control. I mean, this, you have to understand, all spending bills start out in the House of Representatives. That's where the spending part of the legislature really gets going. And that's, that's where it, it, if if you're going to do something to get things under control, that's where it's, it's done. And, And this will not, however, be the end of our country financially as predicted by the democratic leadership. If, if there is one time-worn cliche about elections, it is that the next one is the most significant in our lifetime. And there is there is reason to believe that it is true this time, though. <laughs> Although the, the outcomes remain uncertain, one thing is clear. If Republicans win control of the House of Representatives, the country will face a series of fundamental challenges much greater than we have had in any modern period of, you know, divided government, including a, a direct and palpable threat of default and government shutdown. The Republican majority will be a more radical, reckless, and willing employ, willing to employ the nuclear option, is what they're saying here, to achieve its goal than any of its predecessors have been. And its leadership, starting with McCarthy, will be either compliant or too weak to head off catastrophe. All right, (laughs) let me step in to what he's saying here. What those Tea Party congressmen were trying to do is get government spending under control. Instead of just rubber stamping increases to the national debt, they tried to bring attention to the very real threat to our country. Our current national debt, I know a lot of people don't like to think about this. It's not a fun thing to think about. And and you can get lost in the numbers because when you start talking about trillions of dollars, not just billions of dollars, not millions of dollars, but trillions of dollars, you can kind of get lost in those. But let me bring a few of those numbers to you and maybe give it a little bit of, of perspective. Our current national debt is over $31 trillion. And again, for some perspective, it was just over $3 trillion in 1982. It's gone from 3 to 31 since then. 
This means that if we were to pay off the national debt today, let's say we, we had to do it, uh, you know, maybe China or somebody is, is calling in our debt and we, we have to pay this thing off. We have to get to, to zero debt you know, as far as a country goes. That every U.S. citizen would have to pay almost $100,000 a piece. Every single citizen, $100,000 is, uh, is their responsibility. And another $10,000, actually over $10,000 for state and local debt. So, I mean, we're talking about just the national debt here, okay? Again, for a little bit of perspective, every U.S. taxpayer would have to pay almost a quarter of a million dollars apiece. Yes, that's where we are at. Because, you know, not everybody pays taxes, right? I mean, there's a large part of people that do not pay anything in taxes. So every U.S. taxpayer would have to pay $250,000 apiece in order to pay off the national debt. This is what those radicals and reckless Republicans were trying to do and what they will possibly try to do again in order to get things under control. Now, primaries in New Hampshire, he says, have underscored this threat. Mega radicals, yeah. The, the mega crowd is always radicals, right? <laughs> mega radicals were the big winners. Don Bollock slammed by GOP Governor Chris Sununu as a conspiracy theory extremist prevailed as a Republican Senate nominee and Trumpist. Caroline Levitt and Bob Burns carried the nominations for the two House seats saying flatly that Trump won in 2020 and calling for scrapping the FBI. Oh no, these candidates are outside any reasonable definition of the mainstream. But they are the rule, not the exception, in this year's Republican primary contest for nomination of both federal and state key offices. (laughs) Yes, these extremists are so out of touch. But wait... From Ben Zykloff, who writes for the Daily Wire, he says, interest payments on the national debt are slated to be larger than the defense expenditures within the next five years. And this is according to a projection from Mooney Analysis. The federal government spent $475 billion dollars on net interest payments to service the national debt during the last fiscal year, according to a report from the Treasury Department, surpassing the $425 billion in total revenue received from corporate income taxes and combined value of both veteran benefits and transportation. So we are spending more on our interest payments than we receive in taxes right now. That is not, as the liberals like to say, sustainable. Moody analysis forecasts that the interest payments could surpass defense spending, which amounts to $767 billion last year, by 2025. We're talking just a few years away, or possibly 2026, as the interest rates and borrowing continue to soar. Indeed, a low interest rate environment 
had enabled the federal government to borrow money at a relatively inexpensive rate. However, as the Federal Reserve recently began hiking the the targeted federal uh, funds rate uh, in an attempt to battle rising price levels, interest rates across the economy have increased precipitously. The federal government surpassed $31 trillion national debt just last month after both Republican and Democratic administrators oversaw periods of increased deficit spending. Although President Barack Obama maintained budget deficits as uh, large as $1.4 trillion during his first term, President Donald Trump ran a deficit nearly $1 trillion in 2019, the year before the deficit more than tripled to $3.1 trillion as a result of the lockdown stimulus spending, uh, according to the data from the Office of, uh, of Management and Budget. President Joe Biden has since argued that the national reduction in the deficit to $1.4 trillion, which still exceeds all but one pre-lockdown deficit under his watch, is a major accomplishment for his administration. So, so he's almost the highest spending president, but he's not quite. So, hey, look, I'm really good. <laughs> that, that's, that's, his, uh, that's his take on things. Well, in, net interest costs have ranged between 1.2% and 3.2% of gross domestic product over the past half century. Yet rising debt and interest rates could lead to costs reaching 3.3% of output by 2032 and 7.2% of output by 2052, according to the reports from the Congressional Budget Office. The agency predicted that rising interest rates alone will amount for half of the projected growth in net outlays for interest. Beyond constraints to the federal spending, the increasing necessity to pay interest on the national debt will crowd out private sector growth as the economy's leading capacity is, is overshadowed by government obligations. David Bunsen, the founder of Manhattan-based wealth management firm, the Bunsen Group, uh, said that even if there ends up being downward pressure on the interest rates, the mere existence of the much higher debt principle assures us that of significant diversion of resources in the future away from productive parts of the economy and toward the service and government uh, the service of government debts. Quote, two things cause an adverse reaction from excessive government debt is what he said. First, companies and allocators of capital know that there is a need to service debt in the future and ex extract revenues from the private sector and constantly invest less into productive activities. Okay, in other words, what he's saying is taxpayer dollars will have to go towards paying interest because of our debt instead of productive things in the future. Now, he said the Secondly, the, the actual allocation of capital itself represents a downgrade of productive use. From the profit motive to the inefficiencies of government use, muted growth becomes the best case scenario and contraction becomes a real possibility. Okay, again, in other words, the amount of interest we pay is going to hurt the economy. There's just no two ways around it. Bonson added that the real mess occurs 
as fine, uh, fiscal and monetary policymakers attempt to stimulate the economy in response to the lower output. More government spending and more monetary uh, accommodations become morphine to the patients, creating an ever-diminishing return and enhancing a spiraling negative feedback loop that worsens productivity and growth, he remarked. Again, in other words, politicians will try to stimulate the economy with more debt and spending, and that will only make things worse. All right, let's move on to another prediction. Prediction number four. Voter turnout will be very high despite the claims of voter suppression by the Democrats. In an article by Stephen Almond of WBIRD.org, he writes, how Democrats can win even if they lose. (laughs) He said Republicans have sought to make voting more difficult at every turn. Yeah, Republicans have done that, right? And sought to disrupt the administration of the election itself. Right-wing zealots. (laughs) I always love that one. Right-wing zealots have harassed election officials into quitting. (laughs) Oh, no. Pledged the... the, um, in infiltrate uh, our and, and pledge to infiltrate our nonpartisan electoral systems and openly sought to intimidate voters many of gop candidates have refused to accept the possibility of their own electoral defeat in 2022 and they are essentially running against democracy <laughs> i've seen a lot of uh, of political ads saying that i'm running against democracy as a candidate. If if Republicans prevail in even one chamber of Congress, virtually all meaningful legislation will grind to a halt. The party's agenda will be endless trolling and, and sham investigations. Talk of an attempt to impeach President Biden is not hyper, hyperbole. Americans can expect a rancorous battle over the debt ceiling as well. The The Logic being that a ruined economy will benefit the GOP presidential candidate in 2024. Okay, so we don't have a sham investigation or investigations going on right now, right? Can anyone say January 6th committee? All right, let's move on. Prediction number five. There will be investigations into the Bidens and others. From the Daily Wire, uh, they they said that ABC News' John Carl fretted over the notion that Republicans would hold the Biden administration accountable if they win this week's midterm elections. During an interview with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin on this week, Carl touched upon how Republican majorities in the House and Senate would be able to work with President Biden. Quote, I'm hearing a lot, though, of talk about investigations, investigations into Hunter Biden, the FBI, all things Anthony Fauci, Carl said to Youngkin, who has been campaigning for Republicans, of course, all across the country. Uh, Republicans talk about going, you know, all in if they take control of particularly the House is that really what what you're campaigning on to to have massive investigations into all and then of course Youngkin actually interrupts he says 
I think that the House and the Senate and the White House are going to have to go to work and offer solutions. On top of that, our democracy is better when our Congress exercises its responsibility for oversight, and they can also deliver answers. I think voters are going to make a statement on Tuesday, and they want their elected leaders to deliver results. Well, that's when Carl asked, what about all this impeachment talk? I mean, I've gotten... Uh, through, I can count at least three members of the Biden cabinet that Republicans have talked about impeaching. And obviously, there have already been impeachment resolutions introduced, many of them for Biden himself. Would that be a mistake for Republicans to go all in on with, with impeachment? Youngkin says, I believe strongly that our democracy is better when Congress exercises its oversight function. Impeachment? Carl again pressed. I, I mean, you have to say, I, I I seem to remember. I don't. Maybe it's just me, but I seem to remember not one, but two impeachment trials of Donald Trump. And you could almost say that the January sixth committee is kind of that too. You know, they're taking like a third stab at it, even though he's not even president anymore. All right. Moving on to prediction number six, the Democrats will become election deniers, right? This is weird, right? Uh, Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina and uh, said during an interview on Sunday that those who do not vote against so-called election deniers are Nazis. <laughs> Clyburn made the remark during the, an interview with, with Fox News Sunday and host Sharon Bream when asked about remarks that he you know made last week. He said, this is what happens in a country that follows what happened in Germany in the early 30s, Clyburn said. He said, this country is on track to repeat what happened in Germany when it was the greatest democracy going. He elected a, a chancellor who then co-opted their media, and that's what's going on in this country. That, that is what is leading to the destruction of this democracy, unquote. After Bream played a clip, she said to Clyburn, Congressman, you're you're repeatedly made comments about Hitler, about Nazism, about Germany in the 1930s in recent years. You've gotten a lot of pushback from, from the Jewish organizations and, and others who say it belittles the suffering of the Holocaust, of the millions who were lost. And after a kind of a brief back and forth, Bream asked, are voters, though, out there listening to this message to infer from what you're saying that if they don't vote for Democrats in this election, that they are somehow supporting something akin to the rise of Hitler? No, 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 he says. That's foolishness, <laughs> even though he, he just did, right? But wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but wait, from Tim Meads and the Daily Wire, <laughs> he, he writes this. He says, ah, you hate to see it. The Beltway's favorite left-wing propaganda outlet is dabbling in some election-denying by wondering if certain voting machines can be trusted in Tuesday's elections. If you're confused, if you're confused by this warning, having previously been uh, admonished by the Democratic Party and their all-too-eager media allies that anybody who dares question the integrity of the U.S. election is a fascist and a threat to democracy, it's understandable. But please, 
try to keep up. The, the 2020 election, a presidential election, was rife with allegations of voting machine hacks that were later debunked, said Politico on Monday. But there are real risks that hackers could tunnel into the voting equipment and other election infrastructure to try to undermine Tuesday's votes. These vulnerabilities only seem to show themselves whenever Democrats lose or are about to lose an election. Um, Yeah, I would agree. Quote, at least seven states and Washington, D.C. use wireless modems to transmit unofficial election night results to their central offices. These modems use telecommunication networks that are vulnerable to hackers, and malicious actors could exploit them to tamper with unofficial vote data, um, corrupt voting machines, or compromise the computers used to tally official results. I mean, HBO did a whole documentary on this called Kill Chain uh, back in, in 2018. So, yeah, they, they're, they're becoming already election deniers, and the election hasn't even happened yet. All right, let's lastly go to prediction number seven. Democrats will blame the money spent on campaign ads as a big reason they lost so big. But, but don't be fooled, because they're going to try to say that their message didn't just didn't get out and all the money spent by the Republican party and, and all these nasty left wing, uh, right wing, uh, rightists as they were <laughs> calling us, uh, you know, that's, that's what changed the election. But Democrats have spent nearly $320 million on TV advertisements, uh, focused on abortion rights and, 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 and things like that. Just, that's just from the New York Times and what they reported. Let's see how many of these predictions come true, okay? Let's take let's let's just have fun with this one because I think you're going to see the majority of these are going to come true. And and you may disagree with some of them. Let me know which ones you think that 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 you would not agree with. And well, maybe you even the ones you would agree with. You can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.